May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus begins his public ministry in Matthew's Gospel with the arrest of John the Baptist. As he does so, he retreats to the relatively safe Galilee, this place in the northern part of Israel. It's a hotbed of Jewish nationalism in Galilee, but it's re- relatively safe from, uh, from Roman occupation, though the Romans are there, and safe from, um, from the Jewish uh, religious elites, though they're also there. They largely view this as sort of a backwater section of Israel, not much to be interested in. So Jesus is, is safe to move around as he, as he retreats to Galilee. If you were to begin the ministry of Jesus, if, if you were in that place, I know that's a ridiculous thought, but how would you gather your band of disciples? I mean, how would you gather your band of merry men like Robin Hood in, the, in Galilee of the Gentiles? How would you pick the people who will become the bedrock of orthodoxy, the teachers of the church, the apostles, the ones who are going to evangelize the world? How would you select these people? I know what I would do. I would gather resumes and have interviews, wouldn't you? I mean, that's what we would do. Could you imagine? Um, You know, so let's see. Here we got uh, Mr. Johnson, is it? Yes, I see that. Simon Johnson. uh, Tell me, um, exactly uh, what have you done with your life? Uh, Oh, you've been a fisherman. I see it says here you've been a fisherman. Worked for your father for 30 years. Any other work experience? No? None? That's all? You've been a fisherman? Okay. Well, um, so tell me, uh, where did you go to university? You didn't go to university. What about Hebrew school? Where did you go to Hebrew? Didn't go to Hebrew school either. Oh, you were homeschooled with your mother, I see. Yeah, that's what you have. Um, Well, um, let me tell you, uh, any rabbis in the family? No, no rabbis in the family. Mr. Johnson, thank you so much for coming in. Um, we're going to contact you, just wait by the phone. Which, of course, you know means that we're not going to contact you, right? This isn't how you find the brightest and the best. You don't walk down the road, see somebody at work, and say, hey, you want a job? You, know, you, you don't just walk down by the sea, see a man fishing, and say, so, do you want to be an apostle? Do you want to be part of the bedrock of orthodoxy? Do you want to, do you want to be the foundation of the church? You don't find some schlep out throwing a net into the water and think that all of a sudden he's going to be the perfect person to become, well, the one who holds the keys to the kingdom, as Jesus says to Peter. But that's exactly what he does. He finds these men out working. He walks up to them and says simply this, follow me. This isn't how you find the brightest and the best. But you know, as crazy as it is, as crazy as Jesus' methodology for finding disciples, I thought about what it's like on the other side. I mean, imagine that you're Simon Peter. Imagine that you're, you're hearing this call to discipleship. I mean, how bizarre must that have been? He's got a solid job. He works in a family business. And if anybody's ever worked with a family business, you know... There are a few headaches along the way, I'm sure, you know. My poor wife has to work with me every day. You know, there are are difficulties in being part of the family business. But there's also good stuff, right? I mean, it's a solid job. 
your dad's not going to fire you. <laughs> Probably not, unless you're really bad. Uh, you, you know, you're going to have people who love you, who work with you every day. You know, there there be those who have your back. There, there's good security in the family business. So I tried to think about what I would have done if I was Peter. Hearing this call to discipleship, this call to come follow Jesus, I probably would have interviewed him. Joe, come, follow me. Hold on just a minute there, Mr. of Nazareth. (laughs) We need to talk a little bit, you know. What's the salary like? (laughs) I mean, is it hourly or salary? Am I going to be paid by the hour? I need to know these sort of things. What about what about the pension plan? You know, um, Dad's got a pretty good four hundred one k working for me right here. Uh, are you? What's it like to come with you? What kind of future career do I have? Are there benefits, profit sharing, insurance? I mean, these are the sort of things I would want to know. And you would too, wouldn't you? You'd want to know what's in this for following. I mean, what's in this for me to follow Jesus? And I thought to think how crazy it was that Jesus shows up on the shore. Peter and Andrew are out there working. James and John are out there working. And he says, come, follow me. It doesn't seem like real life, does it? But you say, oh, it's because it's in the Bible. You know, Bible times, they did crazy stuff all the time back there. You know, no. You know, the Bible is filled with regular workaday world stories. Sick children, parents who are upset. Mother-in-law with a fever, can't make the evening meal. Child is dying, person in need of help, epileptic seizures, these sorts of things. This is what the Bible is filled with. Sure, Jesus does remarkable things, but most of the people, most of the stories in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, are stories about people in regular part of life. So Jesus coming along, saying, come, follow me. Well, it's just a little bit odd. And what does he offer them? He offers them an end to their normalcy and a life filled with ambiguity. He takes away all their security and gives them insecurity. They don't, he doesn't tell them where they're going, what's going to happen. As crazy as the call of Jesus is, the way that he goes about selecting his disciples is insane. But let me tell you something. Even more miraculous, even more strange is the fact that they go. That they leave everything and they follow. That's what discipleship is, isn't it? It's following Jesus. You're not really sure where you'll end up. You're really not sure how this path's going to go. He just calls. Notice the first call, Simon and Andrew, come. Get behind me is literally what it says. You, get behind me. That's, That's exactly what Jesus says. And they follow. They do. They're in the act of throw. I mean, literally, they're throwing nets into the sea. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, you, come along. What do they do? Perhaps maybe they just even left them right there on the edge of the boat. Get out and they head off. They follow Him. They're faced immediately with a choice, aren't they? They're at work. They're doing their normal everyday job. And Jesus says, you, come along. And they have a choice. They have a choice to stay, keep doing what they're doing, or let everything go and follow Him. You know, I thought about how this would happen in my house. You know, I have these little people who live there, 
And whenever I issue a command, they act like they work for the insurance companies, you know? They do what insurance companies do, deny, delay, defend. You know, you know you've, you've heard that before too, haven't you? It's time for bed. Come on, Dad, three more minutes. No, no, it's time for bed. We went to bed two minutes early last night. You owe us two minutes, right? None of that from Peter and Andrew. None of that from James and John. Simon, Andrew, if you're coming, come now. And there's a promise. Well, it's not much of a promise. I'll make you fishers of people. What? <laughs> what is that? I'll make you become fishers of not. I'll teach you how to fish for people. That's not what the text says. Look at it. I'll make you fish for people. What in the world would that have meant to them? You come follow me. Not I'll pay your co- kids college tuition. Not I'll make sure that you have a secure career. Not that I'll make it up to you later. Don't worry, these things will all work out in the end. You come follow me and here's what I'll do for you. I'll make you fish for people. Now in the narrative to James and John, we don't even get any of the dialogue. All we get is this, and he saw them, called them, and immediately, immediately, they left their boat, listen, and their father, who is presumably sitting in the boat with them. See you, Dad. And they followed Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that the call to follow Jesus is not a call to clarity. It is a call to absolute ambiguity. He, re- he writes this, To follow Jesus, to follow in Jesus' steps, is something void of all content. It gives no intelligible program for a way of life, no goal or ideal to strive after. Just this, follow me. Where are you going? You'll see. Think about the call to Abraham. Go to the land that I'll show you. What land? Don't worry, I'll show you. Come. Follow me. I think discipleship means making a choice. Either you're following Jesus or you're going your own way. Either you're following Christ or you're doing your own thing. Either He sets the agenda for your life or you're setting the agenda for your own life. There's no in-between in this. Come, follow me. Discipleship is making a decision whether or not we're going to be a follower. I know in a world that talks about leadership, that we're kind of consumed with that. Jesus really consumed about you being a leader. He really wants you to be a follower, to follow after Him. And listen, God in His mercy, He waits for us, doesn't He? By the water's edge, He waits for Peter and Andrew, for James and John. I think maybe He waited for... Peter and Andrew a little longer than he waited for James and John because they immediately went. No, no mention about Peter and Andrew immediately. Maybe they were part of the, you know, the insurance people. Delay, defend, whatever. <laughs> Come, follow me. He waits for us. In God's mercy, he waits for us, but he will not wait forever. Come, follow me is a command. And it offers us a choice. And maybe you say to yourself, Oh, that's very nice for you to say, Oh, Mr. Priest, with your backwards collar and your shiny cross. But you know, I'm not all that perfect. Hey, big news flash, none of us are. You don't show up for the discipleship interview with a resume. And if you do, he laughs at you. You don't come ready for this thing. None of us comes ready for this thing. Christ calls us not because of what we have to offer Him, but because He knows what He can do in our lives. 
It's what He can do for us, not the other way around. This week, um, I recorded two of the Buckeye games because on both days I couldn't be there for either one of them. And don't you know, before I got to watch them, I found out the score of both of them. I won't tell on you, Jim, don't worry. But on the other one, I, I, I taped yesterday's game, Saturday's game against Illinois. I was so excited about this game. Number one, Ohio State, playing number 18, Illinois, at Illinois. It's going to be a good game. I taped it. I said to the boys as I'm walking out the door, I taped this game, don't tell me the score. I walk in the door and one of my sons says to me, Dad, Buckeyes lost in double overtime. I said, I told you I taped that game. He said, oh, don't worry, they won by four in regulation. Oh, my goodness! I still watched it. As I'm watching the game, I was catching one of the announcers. They were talking about this kid, Jared Sullinger, who plays for the Buckeyes. Perhaps you've seen him play. He is arguably the best freshman basketball player in the country. He's arguably the best basketball player in college basketball in the country. Jared's older brother, J.J., used to play for the Buckeyes, too. About four years ago, he says to Coach Mata, Coach, you've got to recruit my brother, Jared. He's in the eighth grade. <laughs> and the coach said, you mean fat Jared? That's what he said. You mean this little kid in eighth grade who's kind of, a, he hadn't really grown into his body yet. Now he's about 6'11", huge wingspan, solid player. J.J. says, I'm telling you, Coach, this kid's going to be great. And thankfully, Coach Mata listened to him. He went and saw him and said, yeah, we got to get this kid. He recruited him in the eighth grade to play for the Buckeyes. And four years later, here we go with the best freshman in the country. Christ doesn't recruit us because he knows what we can do for him. He recruits us. He calls us because he knows what he can do for us. And the call comes out, Jesus standing on the water's edge. You, come follow me. And it comes to us afresh today. The only thing that hangs in the balance is this. How are we answering that call? What decision do we make today? Amen.